Hey, it's Dave Marchese. Time to get the weekend started. And it's a huge weekend too. We've got Mardi Gras, Sydney World Pride celebrations. And it's the shake-up, of course, the biggest celebration of all. Hey, if you're travelling across the country to be at Mardi Gras, have a safe trip. Hope it's a fun time. Hope it's a big weekend of partying ahead. If you're working, no worries. For the next half hour, you can chill out. Let's have a good time. Talk about some of the stuff this week that got you talking. Why isn't the RBA calling out companies and asking them to stop putting up prices way more than they need to? Ravel's estate and publisher are set to make hundreds of changes to make them more suitable for the modern age. Fewer hours on full pay. Could this four-day week be a solution? On Triple J. Big week, huh? Little bit of this, a little bit of that. And we're diving in with the Shake Up crew. Time to get to know them a bit first. Entertainer, writer, director, doctor, Eliza Riley. Where the hell have you been? I've just been going out and getting some more letters to put at the end of my name. Are you actually a doctor? I just chucked that in there. If I come across like a doctor, I'm doing my job, baby. I thought it's a big enough, you know, description. I could just chuck it in and no one will know. Um, Big weekend plans? What do you got going on? Oh, yeah. The city is come alight with rainbows and activity, but you can't start your weekend without a little bit of a shake-up first. So I'm excited to be here. Hey, we're excited to have you. Uh, Hey. The next guest is a pretty special one. Actually, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to say I'm the most excited about this guest than any other I've ever had on the shake-up. If you've ever called into Hack, chances are you've spoken to this guy. He's my right arm. He's my left arm. He's my brain. I'm basically just a shell controlled by this man. He's Hack Senior Producer Serge Negus. Serge, explain yourself. Why the hell are you on the show and why are you not producing this show? Well, um, <laughs> I thought I'd go out with a hurrah. I am leaving this amazing show that I've been part of for, you know, close to, I think it's close to six years now. It's been a very long time and it's been amazing. And, uh, yeah, I just thought on the way out, what better way to do it than jumping on this shake-up? You're like, you know what? I've got some opinions. And before yeah. I head out, you've got 25 minutes left of employment with the ABC. You're like, let's blow this thing up. Yeah, the editorial lines <laughs> don't really stack up for me anymore. Oh, so. don't say that. We've got a dump button. We've got a dump button. Um, you've but never no. used it with me while I've been here, so I'm hoping today well, don't. may or may not be nah, the first time. We're not, we're not messing up that record, Serge. <laughs> hey, you've got a big support crew here as well. I can see your beautiful partner, Emma. I can see a bunch of other people. Like Shalala Medora's come from Canberra. We've got Marty Smiley. We've got your best mate, Michael. We've got some guy called Tom Tilly. It's hectic. There's all this stuff going on. Mixed emotions. But, hey, let's push on because I will start crying if we don't start moving. Tax. We're seeing excess profits. They're the ones that are driving the inflation. Workers are just the ones being absolutely smashed by it. On Triple J. Okay, so cost of living's been a big story for us this week. We got right into the rental crisis on Monday. Then we heard about how childcare workers and others are struggling on the minimum wage, right? So many of you got in touch and said, it is tough, we're barely getting by. Not everyone's doing it tough, though. Actually, some of our biggest companies are doing better than ever. 
So what is going on? Hack. Well, after heavy losses during the pandemic, Qantas today announced a billion-dollar half-year profit. Qantas does charge a premium. I think where the anger has come in is that Qantas did drop the ball last year when it came to on-time performance and service delivery. Coles has delivered a 17% increase in its half-year profit, up to $643 million. Official data out this lunchtime might surprise a few of you. Your pay packet's getting just a bit heavier. Coles says a reduction in COVID-related costs helped improve profit margins. From energy bills to the petrol pump to the supermarket checkout, consumers are feeling the pain from runaway inflation. Probably the most pronounced trend is a move out of red meat into white meat. Poor people are coming out way behind. Their bills went up way more than their actual earnings went up. At the top end of the income distribution, it's the opposite. Uh, People who are in higher income households have found that their total earnings have vastly outpaced inflation. On Triple J. Yeah, I'm keen to get your thoughts on this one. How do you feel knowing some of Australia's biggest companies have recently reported record-breaking profits while so many Aussies are struggling to get by? Profit margins soaring for some of these companies. So what's the solution? Let me know if you've got it. Please let us know. I'm pretty sure a few people would like to know. one 300 You can message in as well. 0439 Want to get into it with the Shake Up crew? We've got writer, performer, Eliza Riley, special guest, hack senior producer for the next 25 minutes or so, Serge Negus. Eliza, you are in the arts, which is a sector known for huge profit margins historically. Um, I accept your condolences. (laughs) Yeah. Have you noticed things being especially rough this year, like chatting to friends, like people in your industry? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like stepped up from last year? I think so, but I also am getting older, so we all seem to complain a little bit more. Mm. But definitely, like, my my friend today was talking about the cost of the plastic bags to put the stuff in was making a big difference to their lives and just sort of reflecting of, like, how much does this plastic bag cost? Mm. And if I have to pay 15, 20, 25 cents for it... It feels a little bit unfair. Yeah, I mean, and we saw some stories out this week, like university students um, in Sydney, but other parts of the country too, really struggling, lining up for, you know, an hour or whatever to get free food and supplies and other things. Serge, you're speaking to hack listeners Mm. every night. People are calling in. Cost of living has to be the number one issue that people are wanting to talk about, right? For the last year, it definitely has been. And I mean, like, the research that we're seeing come out now from the Australian Institute is really just like a kick in the guts to hardworking Aussies, isn't it? Like, I mean, like, to see that all of this inflation is potentially caused by businesses' profits going mm. through the roof compared to what they were saying was their wages is just insane. Like, I mean, if, if you're out there working your ass off, this is just killing you right now. Yeah, it's, um, it's definitely the number one conversation topic, right? Like if you're at a party or if you're just chatting with mates, it's always coming up, especially the rental market. And we got right into this on Monday and it's huge, right? Like the text line blows up. Everyone's wanting to talk about it. Every experience is worse than the next one. Are you a renter, Eliza? I am a renter and I feel the the crunch and just also feel like this um, unending, like when will I get dignity as a renter? You know, they're all saying, uh, you know, you're dignified when you're a homeowner. What if I want to rent for my entire life? That should also be okay and dignified and I should be, you know, seen as uh, contributing to society. Fair enough. Surge? 
I mean, like, I'm, I'm really lucky, like, in that I've got a good landlord who actually didn't put the rent prices up this year when they could have, and I couldn't believe how lucky, lucky we were. And, like, obviously there are people out there like that, but, I mean, I've just been hearing terrible stories about people being jacked up, like, 100, 150 bucks a week. And, I mean, if you're one of those... Like, without stars, notice. Yeah, without notice. Yeah. And just, you're right, it's that situation as well that people don't want to, if you haven't had uh, a rent increase or whatever, or even if it's just been a small one, you won't bring up any issue with your landlord. You're not yes. going to yeah. put in a maintenance form. You're not going to... No one wants to rock the boat. No one wants to do anything. Like, stuff that a couple of years ago you wouldn't have put up with. Now it's just like, oh, I'll live with this black mould. But then it does this weird thing, right, where, like, because of not having my rent increased, I was, like, thinking around Christmas, I was like, oh, like, should I, like, send a bottle of wine to my landlord or a yes. letter saying thank you? Like, you I've done that. Like, it's like, You've done like that? Yes, <laughs> I did that because uh, they needed to change my lock because it was broken on my front door and I was like, oh, thank you so, so much. Please take this bottle of wine. Like the, wow. the, the leverage just isn't in your favour and exactly. everybody knows it. And they took the wine, you know, yeah. they took the wine <laughs> no and one's my gonna, rent, No yeah. one's going to refuse that, let's be honest. That's like, that's fair enough. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says, do you even need to ask what's going on? The corporates are lining their pockets at our <laughs> expense as usual. Um, somebody else, James from Bundjalung Country, says, congrats to Qantas for making good profit after the difficult period of taking government handouts. That's James's opinion True. there. Look, this goes into the whole other big news story this week about big profits by big companies. Like we saw Woolworths posting a 25% increase. Coles as well had a big one, the Commonwealth Bank, and then Qantas, yeah, had a $1 billion half-year profit. What do you think when you look at this? I mean, it's just price gouging outright, right? It's mm. just pure price gouging. And like, I mean, again, like going back to just regular knockabout people looking at these kind of profits and looking at like, you know, the price of pasta going up from like $2.50 a packet to bloody four fifty. I mean, it'd be killing them. You'd be so, so devastated seeing that. And I, I mean... Sometimes I wonder how these companies can go along marketing themselves as like Australian companies doing it for Australian people when mm. they're actually just rorting you. Blows my mind. Yeah, it's a crazy one. Like, And like you were saying before, Eliza, people noticing every cost now yeah. at like, you know, the price of a shopping bag or whatever. Yeah. And then you're going to the supermarket, you're paying more for these products, yeah. but then you're finding out that they're making more than ever before. The, um, you know, profit margins are increasing. Yeah. Bit hard to swallow. Oh, and also the fact that we were told it's because of our wages that we were doing this to ourselves and then all of these profit reporting just sort of, and the reports coming out justifying that. But look, it is the shake up. And you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. I don't have a problem with profits. I don't have a problem with these private businesses reporting these profits, but it's what happens with these profits and how these profits are made. They're rorting their workers. Like uh, there's beautiful Australian companies like Thank You and Who Gives a Crap that give away a, pro a portion of their profits. They're incentivized by profits just like other companies and companies like Humanitics, the ticketing platform that give away 100% of their profits. So I'm like, imagine what we could do with that half year billion dollars instead of going to the shareholders it's going to solving Australia's most imminent problems. Mm.
Surge, I don't know. It's, it's a dream world. I mean, I yeah. wish. It's yeah. a dream world? It's like, it's like changing the entire definition of capitalism. And I mean, I love the idea, but in the end of the day, we are suckers for capitalism, aren't we? Well, I'm saying play within the capitalist realm. Yeah. I love profits. I'm a little profit biggie. Oh, don't. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. I just said that. No, no, gonna, no, 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 no. We're no, going to no, cut no, that no. out and we're going to use that in the introduction Damn for it, Hack for my next wake. year. Yeah, yeah. That one's going to live forever. Um, the Qantas one was interesting, right, because... If there's one company that's been just hammered over the past year in terms of and more for like customer service and stuff, it's been Qantas and people like hearing this news and reading it are rinsing them online. (laughs) Were you a bit surprised by this surge to see that they've done so well? No. And I actually, mid-pandemic, was like if Alan Joy stays with Qantas through the pandemic and continues with the company... That share price, what it was during the the pandemic, will go bonkers, and I should buy shares, and I didn't, and it's that classic like, oh, we should have bought this share, <laughs> but didn't, and like, I mean, look at them, they're killing it, and look for that same reason and all the bad stuff they've been doing in terms of the carrier, like. I'm not surprised that he had his house TP'd, Alan Joyce. Oh, yeah. He's um, certainly not the uh, most popular person in Australia right now. Uh, the thing that I found interesting, there was all this news coverage about Qantas announcing all these upgrades and stuff like fancy new first-class suites, which are pretty much the size of this huge radio studio, while most people are crammed into economy in the back. I don't know. It just seems a bit tone deaf at this time. I also was kind of wondering, how much profit do they make off these really rich people? Like, surely it's the, like, economy passengers. Wouldn't it be better to, if you're going to be paying heaps of money, that you're just getting a bit of comfort out of it, right? Well, I was looking at this actually today, and apparently business class travel, it, like, makes up about 12% of passengers on airlines, but actually, like, can make upwards of 75% of the profit margin for airlines. So. You can understand it from that perspective, but I guess it is mostly actual businesses paying for their workers to go fly rather than actual private people. So, Oh, that's I mean, why they need those profits yeah. so they can spend it on business class, yeah. right? <laughs> <laughs> Eliza, you're a um, profit piggy. How often do you? So you travel first class a lot, yeah? <laughs> I am. Someone actually asked me, they're like, oh, you, might, you, you seem like you're really up yourself. I bet you fly business class all the time. And I was so sad that I could say, with a hand on my heart, I never have. Uh, and I really thought or, I had... or of like an up yourself business class buyer. Like yeah. that's, oh, that's not good. <laughs> well, they actually like, I was reading about these new upgrades and how they were calling it like a mini boutique hotel room feel. <laughs> and I just can imagine everyone on like flatmate finders describing their share house room <laughs> like a mini boutique hotel room feel. And they have these new wellness centres next to economy. So that's probably a soundproof soundproof booth that people are going to scream their complaints in. Oh, no, 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 we're not ready for that. Um, We've got so many messages coming through. Chris in Nam says, I work full-time as a mechanic doing 45 hours a week. I do bar work on the side. I'm still struggling. Another person says, Mm. Woolworth's posting that huge profit angers me to my core. Everyone I know is struggling at the moment. Mm. Another person says, no one is highlighting the importance an emission here, the price of banh mi has gone up to <laughs> 850 from 650. 
within just a few months. We need to rise up. It's it's like surprising, right? Some of the stuff that you don't really know, like we're having a joke, but you don't really notice um, that has gone up and then you clock it and you think, when did that happen? Like when did it go up $2? That's huge. Look, we could go on and on about this. We've talked a lot about it this week. I think it's time to move on. The very real hurt that can be felt by readers who encounter material in books that is really hurtful. On Triple J. Have you got any favourite children's books? Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, Matilda, Roald Dahl. Definitely pumped out some classics. But there's a lot of controversy after it was revealed his books have been updated in recent years to revise the language to better suit modern times. And not everyone's happy. Hack. Is it a sensible move or is it political correctness run wild? Dahl's publisher Puffin has been criticised for hiring sensitivity readers. There are so many snowflakes in this world. Words such as fat and ugly have been removed from new editions. Saying that ugly to describe one of the villains mm. is offensive. In the new edition of Witches, a supernatural female posing as an ordinary woman now works as a top scientist instead of as a cashier in a supermarket. You don't want to be inadvertently cruel or to be punching down on some minority group. You want to have that kind of freedom to to create a range of characters. A spokesman for Rishi Sunak saying the Prime Minister has concerns about rewriting the books. He quoted Roald Dahl's BFG in a warning not to gobble funk with words. On Triple J. Yeah, have you got any thoughts on this one? Are you a Roald Dahl fan? Do you reckon they should be updating his works, changing the language? Maybe you haven't even noticed. It's something that has just happened. Probably most people, I would think. Or is there something else from your childhood that you look back on and go, hmm, I think that kind of needs an update. Maybe they should refresh. Let me know. Call in 1300-055-36. You can message in as well, 0439757555. Want to dive into this with the Shake Up crew? Hack's very own senior producer, Serge Negus, on his last day after five years. Good times. Yeah, hopefully. And luckily, we have with us a writer, Eliza Riley. Very keen to hear what you have to say about this. What do you reckon, Eliza? When you read this story, were you surprised? Were you angered? Were you happy? Well, I mean, just coming from the publishing, the because I'm a published author, you know, <laughs> and a company, doctor. I'm a doctor. Um, it, this sort of is commonplace practice, I believed, in the sector that it slowly and surely they would start to update it. I think maybe the error that the publishing company did was that it was noticed and it was picked up on, but it feels like this has happened before and it also happened in Roald Dahl's lifetime. Yeah, I did Mm. read that, that he was kind of wanting Mm. stuff to be revised as well during his lifetime maybe. Yeah, yeah. that's absolutely right. Just sort of updating the Oompa Loompas to what they are today and the movie came out in his lifetime with Gene Wilder, making them orange. Um, But as a published author... Uh, when I am no longer on this earth, I hope and pray that my publishing house takes care of me. And <laughs> Can I ask a question? Any is, question. Is there anything in your books that you think one day may be perceived as inappropriate? Well, I hope it's deemed as inappropriate because it's about <laughs> badass women of Australian history and I hope that in time to come it's seen as a redundant idea that someone has to, like, wave a flag about ladies. I hope it's seen as outdated. If it still is on the money, in 200 years, then uh, we haven't really done our job. Serge, what do you reckon 
of this changing the language, updating the books? Uh, I think that the majority of these cases are totally fair enough. Taking out certain words like fat and whatnot, it's like the words have weight. Right, mm-hmm. especially for kids. And I think, like, the thing is about kids' literature is, like, what a lot of people are saying about this is that it really does shape a child's mind, right? You know, their their social values and their, their cultural value, values are really defined by some of these books, whereas adults have the ability to critically analyse them and therefore, you know, can take it with a grain of salt and see some pretty repugnant bad things as for what they are. But kids just take that stuff in. And so I think it's very fair in most cases. But it could be a slippery slope at certain levels, I think, like when you start really playing with structures and sentences. Couldn't it be an opportunity, though? This is what some people are saying, to talk to kids, give them more credit and start educating themselves, them about the world and... I mean, potentially, but how smart do we think, like, certain kids are for these books? Whoa, 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 I mean, like, come on. Kids aren't smart, No, but, like, how old are some of these kids (laughs) reading these books? I mean, like, they simply don't have the brain development yet. Like, I mean... What you're saying is that there is an importance (laughs) about... Are you a doctor? Yeah, are you a doctor? Just not, just kidding. No, but just being, like, the power of recontextualizing uh, an author after they're no longer here. But I feel like, you know, if you want to have those discussions, you can buy other authors' books that reflect the issues that you want to talk about with your kids. And there's lots of other authors that would be able to do that. So it's not just Roald Dahl is the only one-stop shop for all of your uh, societal topics. True. And I want to encourage them to do that. We've got some messages coming through. Someone says, these Roald Dahl books like History should be left as an example, good or bad, not censored, concealed or rewritten. Another person says they wouldn't do the updates if it wasn't profitable. Hannah from the Shoalhaven asks, should we change all the songs from the 50s because we don't like it or relate? That's interesting because, you you know, hear songs still get airplay on Mm, radio stations or whatever that are pretty, you know, pretty weird, pretty crazy ideas. Someone else says, I think it's great given children are the main demographic, teach positive self-talk, self-confidence. And you're supposed to, and how you're supposed to talk to others about um, about others young. Yeah, okay, I butchered reading that out. <laughs> Could I, I talk about this in terms of political correctness, right? Because a lot of people have been saying, like, you know, this is political correctness gone too far. I heard a story the other day from a primary school teacher here in New South Wales who said that they are no longer able to call kids naughty mm-hmm. when they've done something bad. They have to tell them that they've made poor decisions. Oh. Can you imagine if you're a kid getting told all the time that you've made poor decisions constantly? <laughs> You'd be far it's kind of worse, worse off isn't it? Yeah. down the line than if you've been called naughty because no one, no one thinks about being naughty as being a bad thing. It's like, oh, I was a bit naughty. Like, a bit oh, naughty. You know what I mean? Like, Is that true though? I don't know, but like that was what I was told by a teacher who I trust a lot and yeah. Hey, we've got teachers who listen. So Yeah, can you tell us if yeah, that's true? Can you confirm or deny? Because it seems pretty wild if it is true. Um, yeah, I don't know. What do you think about sensitivity readers, Eliza? Because I didn't know much mm-hmm. about sensitivity readers before I got into like um, all of the analysis of what was happening with Roald Dahl. But these are people who go through looking for yeah. stuff. Yeah, look, I mean, they have sort of consultants on TV and film as well that can speak to that direct issue that are hired. But I I mean, I didn't have a sensitivity reader on my book. Um, but I feel like it's um, within that company. Like, I mean, it is a private company and they can do whatever they want for the sensitivity check. If you're hired, if you've hired an author, you've hired that voice, 
regardless of whether it's sensitive or not, your job is to give that author the greatest microphone for their voice and their pure voice as possible. Um, but also they have to protect their own commercial interests. Interesting. Interesting. I think, I think sensitivity, like readers are a great idea. I mean, because there's a lot of people out there that have some very cooked ideas and think they can write a book. Well, yeah, it's probably a good thing we have people going through some of these books going, oh, not really, actually. But with the sensitivity, do they have to take the recommendations? I don't think they have to. But they can say, oh, we went through a sensitivity reader. Maybe, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Mm. That's an interesting question, that one. Mm. Is there other stuff, surge from your childhood that you look back on and you go, oh, oh that was God, pretty the, bad? The amount of movies in particular that I look back on now that just have so much stuff that just wouldn't fly these days and it kind of ruins a lot of it for me now. Like, and I guess that's the point that we've got to, right, is that, like, there are so many films out there that are just so wrong now and, like, I mean, like, you just have to think about, like, Austin Powers, like, I don't know, like, all these films that were just so <laughs> massive when you were a kid or whatever it may be. And, yeah, I mean, it, it, the way we've moved in a positive direction really does ruin things and put them to bed for a good reason, I reckon. We've but- got... Do you feel sorry? Do you feel like that that was important to see the wrong thing modelled as a child? Because now, as an adult, that has such a powerful impact on you and your choices today. Whereas, if you weren't showed the bad model to begin with, who would you become as well, an adult? A pretty awful person. <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> it's that Austin Powers. I knew it. I knew it. No, no, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, I'd, uh, I don't know the answer. I don't know the answer to that either. I must say. Mm. Hey, mm. we've got messages coming through. Someone says, "Why don't they, they update the Bible?" That's <laughs> What somebody has <laughs> well, messaged yeah. through. Um, other people wanting to talk about books. Uh, and another person talking about a, a teacher who says, yeah, it's true, I'm a year two teacher. It is true that you can't say naughty anymore. So there you go, Serge. Whoa. That's ridiculous. Mm, so that's confirmed because you were telling me about that earlier this week mm. and I said, no, nah, I, don't, I don't know whether that is true. But, hey, one more fact that you were correct on before you leave. <laughs> I'll concede that point. Time to move on. They get 100% of their pay but do 80% of the hours. We've seen our happiness go up and we've seen our fatigue come down. On Triple J. You know, there's no more, no story, sorry, more loved by Serge Negus, our producer, than the four-day work week. Every time it pops up in the news headlines, Serge will say, should we do something on a four-day work week? And we do love to talk about it. It's a great idea. Countries around the world trialling it. But there's been research now and more research, big research, and the results are in and it's good news. More than 60 companies in the UK paid their employees the same wage despite them working fewer hours and they found that revenue went up, anxiety went down. Excellent. So when are we doing it? Why aren't I mean, we doing is, it already? Pure science at its best, right? Like you can't, the numbers don't lie, right? I mean, I'm going to like be working five days a week for the rest of my life probably, but that's not because I want to. I just think that people won't bloody change even though they see this because people don't know what's good for them and particularly companies. But I mean, like the more we see these studies come out, I think we will start to see a change. But um, yeah, I mean, like why not? What, what's, why are we not doing it? Eliza, do you look at these stories and you go, oh, uh, because you don't do the Monday to Friday, do you? No, and I am used to doing like a really short sprint of work and then having a, a time period off. But I feel like that from my other poor friends that work their nine to five, they are working a four-day week. They're working a four-day, three-day, two-day week regardless of where they are and they are figuring out what works for them regardless oh, if they are in office. the or quiet quitting. 
thing kind of. Well, I guess so. I don't know. Like I would, one of my mates was saying like I am three days in the office and two days work from home and they have a newborn. So that he was like, I'm going to fit an entire work week into those three mm. days. And he's really good at his job. And then just take that the rest of the time off. And if it works for him and if the employee doesn't notice, employees are going to do a four-day work week regardless if they change or not search. So I reckon Mm. whether – yeah, I agree with you. I don't reckon it's going to happen anytime soon. But the people are going to work out how to do their job efficiently. It was interesting how they managed to get people to – like productivity didn't drop. Mm. People were still pumping it out despite working fewer hours. And it was because they just went through and they changed simple things. They made meetings shorter, um, less frequent. So they just cut down the number of meetings reforming email etiquette, like you don't have to reply to everything or whatever. I feel like there's a lot of space to do this in most workplaces. At Hack, you know, we're fans of the Pomodoro method. Oh, methods. really? Yeah. 20 minutes on, two days off? Yeah. Is that what it it's is? when you, where you like work intensely for 25 minutes yeah. and then you have a five minute break. Well, I'd love to hear from listeners whether they think they actually <laughs> <laughs> think that's good. No, but like they pad out. Do they, do they accidentally pad out their five day week because they think yeah. they need to be there? Do people just go like, let's make this meeting long, let's pad it out because we have to be here? Interesting. I thought you were going to say I want to know from listeners if you think you're getting money, value for money from Hack, if you oh, think they're as productive they, as ever doing the Pomodoro method. I was, my brother's a manager and he was talking about how it's a management technique at times to basically be ambiguous with the amount of work your employees are supposed to be expecting to be done and then oh. that way they do more work because they're not quite sure how much they should be doing. <gasps> it's like that's, real mind trickery. Oh, that's that would make me so stressed. It's a thing. It is. And you know what else is a thing? Teachers being not happy about the four-day <laughs> work week, saying so many consider us glorified babysitters as it is. We're not fans of this as long as we get it as well. Someone else says it's mm. not pure science. It's a small group sample over a short time. There you go, Serge. You're right on one fact. You're wrong on it's another. It's not the first study of its kind. <laughs> I'll just put it that way. Hey, We've got to pretty much close this show up and wrap stuff up because it's the end of the week. It's the end of the shake-up. Also, the end of an era for us here at Hack. We always thank the crew at Hack at the end of the week. We thank executive producer Claire Bloomer, all of our reporters as well. But we need to do a massive thank you now for this week and for the past five years of work on Hack to Serge Negus. Serge, the show's not going to be the same without you. And to be frank, my daily life is not going to be the same without you. It's been a pleasure. We've had some wild times up in Mount Isa with Bob Catter. (laughs) (laughs) It's pretty crazy. The election road trip. I am thanking you, but I think the audience is really thanking you too. Oh, thank you so much, mate. I mean, working for this show has just been the best part of my career and it's the most amazing show and all the people that work here are just insane stars and it's been an absolute pleasure and thank you so much. Do you reckon you'd come back to the shake-up? Yeah, of course. Some hot takes. Of course, I'd love to. Now that you're moving on. (laughs) I don't know, if you like Serge, message in. Let us know if you'd like to see (laughs) us uh, shake-up regular. Yeah, let's do a poll. (laughs) Do a poll. And that's all we've got time for on The Shake Up, the hack podcast for this week. A huge thanks again uh, to Eliza Riley and also to Serge Negus. Wonderful producer. We're going to miss him. I'll be back next week for Hack. It's going to be a big one. I'll catch you then. Have a great weekend.